The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by George Rodriguez on 930 AM, The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, 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 my friends. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. How is everybody on this uh, September 12th, 2020? Uh, we had uh, football, if you want to call it professional football, this past uh, week. Uh, it started on Thursday, and uh, to be honest with you, I didn't watch it, didn't care to. Uh, there were protests. There was even a black national anthem that was played. Uh, my question, my question, my friends, is how does that help race relations? Uh Separatism, uh, the uh, throwing in people's face of your differences, does that help unity? Does that help bridge uh, understanding? Uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I was very dismayed and disgusted with it all. Um, there was a positive situation where uh, BYU played, uh, my alma mater played N Navy. Needless to say, they did win big. However, the thing that I was very impressed with, it was this, my friends. <clears throat> BYU wore some T-shirts that celebrated love and understanding. Didn't have anything else. Didn't have anything else to say. Nothing about Black Matter, Black Lives Matter. Nothing about uh, uh, power. Uh, to people or anything. No, no, no. All it said was love and understanding. I, I, you know, isn't that what it's about, my friends? Isn't that what we should be really, really celebrating and talking about? Uh, it's amazing. I, I really thought that that was, I mean, if you're going to say anything uh, about anything political or anything social about something, say it in a positive way. And love and understanding, I mean, that's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. So uh, I was very impressed with that. All right, so welcome to the show, my friends. We've got a great show with for you, as usual. We've got uh, three very, very good guests. Um, I, I, I want to, uh, my commentary is going to be about 9-11 and the uh, lessons on immigration that we learned or did not learn. Uh, but before that, let me um, uh, tell you who our uh who our uh, guests are. First of all, Jorge Bonilla, uh, who is with the Media Research Center Latino. He's going to be chatting with us about how um, the Spanish language media is covering the uh, the riots and how it's covering the uh, the situation with the with, with the difference in the campaigns. I'll be honest with you, my friends. Uh, you know, I've never been a fan of Univision and Telemundo. However. Uh, we got to deal with them. They're there. They're like a big camel, big stinky camel in your living room. You got to deal with them. And uh, so I want to chat with him about that. Um, uh, then we also have Mr. John Griffin. John Griffin is uh, a, a former associate editor with uh, the uh, Daily Caller. And uh, John has been following the whole, ep uh, the, the whole situation with the Alamo reimagining with the, um, uh, the Alamo here in San Antonio being redeveloped, uh, reimagined, redesigned. Uh, I'm not sure what, how many different uh, ways we can tell it. Um, but what is happening, my friends, is that, is that uh, it is being redone in a politically correct manner. We are losing history. I mean, just like they are taking down uh, Columbus statues and Confederate statues, in this case, they're being a lot more clandestine in their approach. They're, they are redoing the Alamo, but they're doing it to open it up to everybody. They are making it universal. You know, the reason that the Alamo exists, my friends, is for the Battle of 1836, the battle for freedom and liberty from Mexico, okay? And uh, the murder of, uh, of the defenders by uh, Santa Ana. However, some people think that the story, that story uh, of uh, the Alamo, 
uh, is uh, is anti-Mexican and therefore uh, politically incorrect. In fact, um, one of the city councilmen here in San Antonio has stated that it's, uh, that there's a lot of myth in the Alamo story. Uh, it's amazing. Okay, folks. Okay, so John John Griffin is going to be talk, talk, talking to us about it. We need to listen carefully. Uh, we also have uh, Jason Jones as our is our third uh, guest. Jason is a regular contributor. He's going to give us an update on what's happening on the border with border crime, my friends. Uh, we are so busy focusing on what is happening in Portland and Seattle and other uh, places that we are not focusing on what is happening on the doggone uh, border with illegal uh, uh, with with the traffic of of, uh, of drugs. It's uh, I mean that that has replaced illegal immigration. Although illegal immigration continues to be a problem, it uh, the the uh, the importing uh, of uh, illegal drugs has really really taken off. So anyway, those are our guests. Let me give you some some thoughts real quick, my friends, regarding nine eleven and the immigration lessons that we should have learned that we have not learned that we did learn. Okay. First of all, the attackers uh, on 9-11, they came in as students and they overstayed their visas and there were no consequences to that fact. They overstayed their visas. Okay, They should have been picked up almost immediately and deported or detained or something, but they weren't. Immigrants and visitors to the United States must also be screened very carefully, my friends. We've got to screen them carefully. These characters, they, they were not there. In fact, there was a recent attack back in, uh, in February here in, San Anto- here in Texas, in Corpus Christi, uh, by a, uh, by a, uh, a Muslim uh, extremist who was here uh, studying uh, with the military. The same thing in Florida. That was just recent. That was this, this year. And lots of signs pointed to those characters uh, being extremists, and we didn't do anything about it. Political correctness, my friends, cannot and must not interfere in any form or fashion because these enemies of the United States, they will lie to enter the United States and they will lie to stay in the United States. The people, people that come to the, Amer- to the United States, my friends, they come for two reasons. The first reason is to assimilate and be part of this great nation. That's why they come, the American dream. However, the second group, my friends, the second group comes to change it and destroy it. And we've got to be careful who we let in to our country. We've got to be very careful. Immigration it must be about what is beneficial to our nation, my friends. That's what what immigration should be about. Any policy that we've got has got to be a policy that benefits the United States, both in society its in its economy. Refugee resettlement. That it's got to be controlled and screened. We have seen so many. There was a a, a, a an Ethiopian uh, or Somali. I can't remember which one it was, but there was a a a, a refugee that had been resettled in Ohio that killed people at the, in Ohio State, and we've quickly forgotten about that. Visitors and temporary workers, my friends, must also be, be monitored. Refugee rese- refugees have got to be screened, and visitors and temporary workers, my friends, they've got to be monitored. Are they truly working? And if they are visiting, are they, not, are they staying for the allotted time, and then are they leaving? We've got to make sure that, that, that you know, these people are following the rules. If we don't, my friends, uh, and, and it, it has been, visitor, visitor visas and temporary worker visas have long been abused, long been abused, my friends. America, Americans have got to be the primary concern of any immigration policy, my friends, whether it's the issue of health on what kind of diseases these people are bringing in, whether it's about employment and whether or not these folks are coming in for cheap labor or with work visas that uh, are, are factual, or whether it's the issue of safety that we are screening out criminals and terrorists. The, the, every, every policy 
regarding immigration, my friends, has got to be focused on Americans. We must stop all illegal immigration without exception or excuse. That's the other aspect of it. Because quite often we excuse children who come in illegally and then by definition we reunite them with their families. We excuse people uh, who come in uh, suffering from famine and war and everything else and then eventually they just stay. You know, we've got to stop this type of illegal immigration without exception or excuse regarding how, regardless of how old they are. Again, my friends, the priority of any immigration policy has got to be the American people. It's got to be an American first, an America first immigration policy. That's what we need. And that's what we should learn from, the, from 9-11, my friends. That's what we should learn from 9-11. We're going to go to our first uh, to our first guest uh, once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP nine thirty AM radio. The answer. Thank you very much for supporting my supporting us, my friends. Please tell your buddies. Please tell your friends about our show. Uh, help us spread the word. We are a voice of freedom and liberty in South Texas, and uh, we've got to. Uh, you know, we've got to to raise the flag of freedom and liberty in our in in all of these communities in South Texas that have so long, so long been dominated by by a, uh, Democrats. Once again, George Rodriguez will be right back, my friends. Stay tuned. Thank you. Hello, El Conservador listeners. If you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his internet website, elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez, El Conservador, and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you are interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930amtheanswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning. Howdy, 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 George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio. The answer, once again, we've got my uh, very good friend Jorge Bonilla uh, talking to us all the way from uh, Florida to chat with us about uh, a couple of issues. Uh, Jorge helps to, uh, Jorge monitors uh, the uh, Spanish language media. And I wanted to get him on here and chat with him because... I'd like to get his perspective on what um, what is going on with regards to the Spanish language media coverage. First of all, of the of the riots that that have been going on, and then uh, now that um, the issue of law and order has taken center stage in the campaigns, how are the campaigns being uh, being uh, covered? How are how is the issue of of uh, the riots and the campaigns uh, being being covered on this? Jorge, thank you for taking time. Welcome to the show. Um, talk to us. Tell us uh, what what are you observing regarding uh, first of all the Spanish language coverage of the uh, of the riots and uh, and then uh, talk to us about the the campaigns. Sure. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me on, and uh, it's great to be back. That's exactly what we do at MRC Latino. We we look at what what Spanish language media is doing. And, you know, we, we want and we fight for fairness and, and for balance and for fair coverage in media, but we don't always get that. And a perfect example of that is coverage of the riots. The Spanish language networks have very reluctantly, at least on a national basis, I can't speak for what local affiliates do, but on a national basis, they've been very reluctant to get into the scope of the origin of the violence of some of these riots. They've been reluctant to show uh, some of what's been going on, for example, in Rochester, 
where you see people running up into restaurants and flipping tables over and trying to invade homes, they don't show that on the Spanish language networks. They still want to call these riots in Portland and Seattle social justice riots. Um, and the only reason they brought, they even covered that story was, of course, because he was brought down by this joint task force of uh, local Portland law enforcement and, and the U.S. Marshal. It's really part of a pattern that we see here, uh, where, wherein Spanish language media consistently argues against the side of law and order. And they're on the side of the rioters, and they're on, on the side of continued civil unrest and protests. And it's, it's disheartening to see. It really is. I mean, the situation continues to be one where the spin just gets in the way of the facts. I mean, let's face it, it yeah. really, really, it, it's tragic that that's happening. And um, as far as the the uh, the issue of the campaign, I mean, this issue of law and order has now taken a center stage on uh, in 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 the campaign. As far as who is responsible for what, uh, is it Trump's division or is it uh, the Democrats' in, inability to govern their own uh, communities? Uh, how is uh, how is the Spanish language media covering that? Well, just, just remember. Spanish language media depends, and it always goes back to this one core issue, Spanish language media depends on a continued inflow of non-English speaking um, immigrants. And so it is going to do what it needs to do in order to get the politicians elected that will allow for that continued inflow of non-English dominant Immigrants. So, what, what that that affects the bias, and that affects the coverage. And naturally, they're going to cover anything that that is that is in this in the context of this election. They're going to cover anything that might be adverse to Joe Biden and to liberals in general, and Democrats in general. They're going to cover it. Um, in, in, they're going to suppress coverage of those things. If it's damaging to the Democrats, they're going to suppress coverage of it. And we see an example of that in, in how these riots have been covered and in, in how the law and order issue has been covered generally. And it, if, it, if it is something that could help the Democrat campaign, if it's something that could help Joe Biden, they are going to amplify it. As we have seen with, with sort of these smears that are, that are wrapped around old news stories from 2018, we've already seen two examples of it. We saw... During the convention, when, when they brought in this former DHS chief of staff, Miles uh, something, I forget his last name right now, Miles Taylor, I think, and he, he brought, uh, rehashed the old story of how Trump supposedly thought about selling Puerto Rico, but there was no, no one to, to substantiate that alleged quote. There was no one to verify that, but the story was rehashed right around the time of, of the Democrat convention. And then we saw that last weekend when uh, Jeffrey Goldberg from The Atlantic, from the hyperbolic, hyperpartisan Atlantic magazine, brought up a story from 2018 where President Trump did not go, while, while visiting France, he did not go to the, uh, to the, cemetery, to the cemetery that honored the, uh, the fallen Marines at Bella Wood, a historic battle. I served in the Marines, so I know a thing or two about Bella Wood. And I can tell you that had President Trump said the things that, that he was alleged to have said, one of Mattis Kelly or General Dunford would have, would have lost it, and we would have known about it back then. But yeah. that didn't happen, but it was baked into the story, and, and the coverage was allowed to run rampant for, for the weekend uh, based on unsubstantiated claims. And Spanish language media ran with these stories because they are favorable to Joe Biden. Likewise, we saw some reports about how in the state of Florida, the, the Hispanic vote is just about dead even, which is not good for the Democrats. This was a story that was uh, suppressed yesterday. Telemundo went into it very briefly, and uh, Univision gave it a little bit more coverage, but it was... It was still, you know, not a full story. It was kind of doomsday-ish. It was, it was not good. These stories tend to be suppressed. And 
that is the pattern that we see with Spanish language media. If it is good because it favors their interests, if it is good for the Democrats, it'll get more air. If it in this election, if it helps Donald Trump or is perceived to favor Donald Trump and help him with the Hispanic community, it'll get suppressed. Now that's the pattern. Yeah, there there was a. Uh... Uh, and, and it wasn't mentioned too much. I didn't read too much about it, but there was a uh, a, a protest against uh, Univision uh, recently in Miami, I believe, um, yes. by by folks who were upset at their coverage. Uh, but you didn't hear very much about it uh, anywhere, uh, not even on CNN in the English speaking one. Uh, oh, not at all. So, uh, what was that all about? Well, look, there's, you know, they, like, they, there's a group of people that are that are upset at these things that I just mentioned, at these disparities in coverage, and they organized the protest, and went, uh, this was a couple weeks ago, and they marched in front of, uh, and they did a, like a, like a vehicle caravan, and there were some people out front of Univision's headquarters in the Miami area, and, you know, they, they protested, they protested, they protested fake news. They protested biased coverage. They made it clear, and by the way, they made it clear that this was directed at Univision, at Telemundo, at the entirety of the Spanish language media. Um, and they got fed up. People are getting fed up, George. People not just in Miami, but in New York, in Los Angeles, in Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, um, all over the country. Latinos are getting fed up with the coverage that they see from these Spanish language networks. And I think what we saw in in Miami was an expression of that. It was a manifestation of that, and I would not be surprised if there was more to come. Because it is just ridiculous. The bias, the level of overt, shameless, partisan bias that we see from Spanish language media. Well, well let me ask this question then. Um, is there any plan or is there any discussion or has there ever been any kind of uh, of uh, effort to uh, put together a, a conservative uh, radio TV network uh, in Spanish? Because it, it just seems like we desperately need, you know, uh, for example, a Spanish language, uh, uh, Rush Limbaugh, Hannity, whatever. Uh, and... and uh, you know, something to counterbalance this um, this heavy, heavy-handed uh, partisanship. You know, I, I always say that the Media Research Center, when, when it was founded in 1987, you had ABC, CBS, NBC, the print media, um, and that was it, and that was how people got their news. Rush Limbaugh came the following year. Was, he was syndicated in 88. And Fox News came uh, eight years after that. Uh, when you contrast that with the Spanish language side, all we've had all these years is Univision, at least on a national broadcast basis, Univision and Telemundo. Those are the those are the only games in town, and uh, that's where we are still at. And there's been talks. From what I've heard, there's, there's been talks, and, and people always kick the idea around. But um, unfortunately, it hasn't come to fruition. Thank God for, for folks like yourself, for other uh, Latino broadcasters throughout the country that, that bring uh, this, this sort of balance to what the community gets otherwise. But um, I, I hate to say it hasn't happened yet. Now, Fox News uh, just launched or is about to launch a Fox International, which... Uh, sort of is intended, I guess, to compete with, with a CNN International and be broadcast at airports and stuff like that all over the world. Hopefully, hopefully, I, I would think that that might be a precursor to something in Spanish, but there's, to my knowledge, there's nothing in the works yet. There should be. I think it's it's long past overdue, Yeah, but there, there is not yet at this time. Yep. Well, Jorge, uh, tell the folks where they can uh, uh, read more about your stuff and how they can follow the Media Research Center Latino. 
Sure, we are at mrclatino.org. That's mrclatino.org. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook at mrclatino, and you can follow us on Twitter at mrclatino. All of our content is bilingual. For those of you that know habla, uh, our content is bilingual, so uh, you don't miss out. But we are at mrclatino.org. We are MRC Latino. We are the Spanish language arm of the Media Research Center, which uh, has actively fought and continues to fight uh, and defend freedom uh, via uh, this fight for, for fairness and accuracy in media. You got it, buddy. We've been talking with my uh, good friend Jorge Bonilla from the Media Research Center Latino. Thank you, Jorge, for uh, all you do and for joining us today. Thank you so much, George. It's great to talk to you. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. And we've got uh, our good friend, John Griffin, a former associate editor for Daily Caller. And now he's, uh, well, he's, he's, a day, he, he's a regular contributor to our show, as well as he's a, a writer. I really wanted to reach out to John because John has been following the whole saga of the Alamo, of the reimagining the Alamo. And um, I wanted to get him, get his update on it because there have been a lot of things that have been going on. Uh, John, welcome to the show. Talk to us. What's what's going on with Reimagine the Alamo? Where are we at with it at this point? Well, uh, it seems to be a pipe dream. Uh, if there's any imagining going on, uh, the imaginations of George P. Bush and his uh, his crime syndicate here is in uh, San Antonio have run wild. Uh, their imaginations are no longer confined to uh, even remote. Uh, legal or ethical possibilities with the famous monument, uh, the Cenotaph to the Dead of 1836. And that includes, folks, a lot of Tejanos, uh, over a hundred Tejanos fallen in defense of the, the mission. So, uh, to me, that just, uh, that says, says, uh, a lot about, um, how George P. Bush views himself and, uh, what he does and does not have to obey. Uh, which is you, the Texas voter. Uh, it was, we have seen um, a lot of uh, discussion. It's become very, very open now. Very, very oh, open yeah, discussion. Very shameless. Uh, you know, first of all, because of the Black Lives Matter issue, um, that, uh, that. Yeah, you know, the tearing down of, of monuments, the replacing of the Columbus Monument. Um, they've targeted the Alamo literally now because it was defended by slave owners uh, and because it is a symbol and because it is a symbol of uh, American expansionism. And the, let me stop you right there, there, Jorge. Yeah, uh, for your listeners, uh, there is nothing racial about the uh, the Battle of eighteen thirty six except the racism that those ignoramuses talking about it in that way bring to it. And let me let me tell you why. In real quick a real quick fact that puts all this to rest. There were five at least, I believe, Mexican states that seceded from uh, the Spanish controlled, okay, the formerly Spanish controlled uh, Mexican state or Mexican country at that time because Santa Ana had made himself king. And a lot of Mexican states thought uh, hey, we don't really like that. We, we want to still have our voice. Um, so they seceded along with Cohila, which is modern-day Texas. So there, were, there was nothing racial about the, uh, the Texas Revolution. And I would posit and suggest that those who are trying to make it racist are suspicious. This, this whole thing about making everything racial, uh, it, it is... Uh, Very dangerous. It, it is, it is. I have heard... Um, uh, a couple of professors uh, speak at reimagine uh, the Alamo um, hearings, uh, comparing get this comparing Texas to Palestine. That the Mexicans God. 
and the Hispanics are occupied uh, folks, just like the Palestinians are occupied folks to Israel. Um, you know, tell that to the fifty-four percent of Mexican uh, descended. Okay, um, uh, we'll say Latino and non-Latino Hispanic males who voted for Dan Patrick in the last lieutenant governor primary. Think about that, folks. That, that is the most pro-border security. Uh, you know, like boilerplate conservative candidate. No offense, CGT Dan that we've ever had. Uh, the most conservative candidate, really, we've had in a, in a long time. 54% of Hispanic and non-Hispanic, uh, or, sorry, Hispanic, uh, Latino, and non-Latino men in Texas voted for Dan. So I think that puts that to rest, don't you? I, I really do. I really do. I mean, it seems like what they keep trying to do is throw as many things against the wall to see what's going to uh, stick. Because right. the other thing, the other thing that they have been... Uh, complaining about that some of the um, pro-open borders folks here in San Antonio have been complaining about is that it is a symbol that Texas that the Alamo and the Cenotaph and everything else uh, the, the the statue to Travis that they are all symbols that do not welcome immigrants as they play they're, they're not illegal aliens of course they, they, you know that's where they're, where they're Stephen F Austin who uh, by the way, is the would be the chief target of these ignoramuses, or is it ignorami? I don't know what the plural of ignoramus is. Uh, but <laughs> Stephen F. Austin himself, when he was languishing in Mexican prison, when he had gone down to Mexico, much like Ben Franklin went one last time before we declared independence for, from Britain, went one last time. Well, Stephen F. Austin did the same thing. He went one last time to Mexican Congress down there and said, "Look, guys, you're violating your treaty with us. You said we." We uh, could keep the land that we we purchased. You said we wouldn't have to pay taxes on food imports. You know, essentials to live. Uh, and they were they were reneging on all that. They were not only taxing them; they were letting people squat on their land. And so Stephen F. Austin said, even then in prison, he said the Mexican government is the most beneficent on the face of the earth. Direct quote to immigrants. He meant himself and all of the. Texicans or Texians at that time who immigrated to uh, the Mexican-controlled province of Guayla. So I think that speaks volumes. Uh, the people who are saying this stuff clearly don't have any interest in real history or facts. <laughs> needless to say, needless to say. Uh, so where are we? Where do, where do you think this whole situation, because uh, it, it appears that they have quit listening, they being uh, the the uh, city leaders as well as the state leaders who are bound and determined to redevelop the Alamo, reimagine it, refix it, whatever you want to call it, that they've quit listening to us. I mean, they are just not uh, interested. Where, where are we? Here's, here's where we are. Um, there's a runaway train. It's, a, it's, a, it's an effort to cram this in as quickly as possible. And why? Are they trying to cram it in? It's because they know that Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, because of heartfelt, earnest efforts by myself, Lee White, and many others, to appeal to the Lieutenant Governor to take Bush's authority and jurisdiction over the Alamo if he moves the monument. And this has now been put in writing. It's the official policy of Dan Patrick's office if he continues to try to remove that monument, specifically that one, which he's doing. Bush will lose all that money he's been laundering, too. Remember Kenneth Lay, folks? Well, he may be laying out in South America. That's the opinion of my accountant, um, who also was uh, Kenneth Lay's accountant. And, uh, you know, whatever the truth of that is, uh, he hid behind a bush. And we all remember how many people have hid their, their uh, embezzlement schemes behind the Bush family. And, uh, boy, is that poetic, you know, the, the name the name and the, the actual purpose of, of what they did. Yeah, even, even Neil Bush, uh, with his racket under No Child Left Behind, walked away with, with many millions uh, huh. of laundered taxpayer money. And th that they can't show any value or actual benefit to the public for this. And they can't account for every dollar. I just love how people forget that trillions disappeared after 9-11 from the Defense Department. And George Bush's response was, oh, whoops, we don't know what happened to it. You know, let's focus over here. Hey, look, Iraq, WMD, uh, 
you know, folks, we, we just got to remember that just because someone's got an R or a D behind by, by their name doesn't make them a saint and doesn't make them evil either. Yeah, it, it, the politics, the politics of uh, redeveloping downtown. Uh, we, I mean, those of us that have been watching this, yeah, we have been watching it for some time, and we knew eventually it was going to, you know, it was going to encircle the Alamo and involve the Alamo in some form or fashion. But here we are. Well, of course, this is, I mean, thinly veiled, uh, almost a feigned glee. I would say restrained glee. I've got to count someone else here too, Mauro Garza, who is now the, the GOP's front runner in the challenge, in the race to challenge, um, challenge the uh, Castro twin, uh, who's, who's the, I think it's, uh, um, gosh. Joaquin, Joaquin Castro. Joaquin, yeah, I, I get yeah. them confused because they're both, they're both, uh, they're both darlings. Jerk, jerks. <laughs> yes, darlings. There we go. I was looking for a word that would convey that, uh, that specific <laughs> um, you know, we, we can't say certain things anymore, can we, George? Yeah. But, uh, yes. And he, Morrow is, is killing it. He is, he is, uh, just about captured the Hispanic vote. And he's, he's gay. Okay. He's Jewish. And I supported him. And I supported him because he's genuine. And he believes in freedom and he believes in the Alamo's history too. He actually has really gone uh, hard to bat on that. So when you see that trend, that tells you where we're at. Yeah, we exactly. are almost at the tipping point where we take back our history, we take back the public square. Yeah. And that scares the Labor Johnson nonprofit scams. That scares the, the Nancy Perot's. That scares the uh, the people whose whole livelihoods are based on sitting on boards where lots of money changes hands out of public view, George. That's right. That's exactly right. My man, thank you for taking time to uh, be with us. We got to get you Always back on again. We got to get you back on and talk with. Uh, we want. I want to. I really want to talk to you uh, at a later time uh, about this article that you wrote uh, some time ago about uh, prophesizing what we would be looking at what we are looking at at this point regarding uh, Antifa and Black Lives Matter and the whole left. Yeah, well, the warning to the alt-left, mob will usually backfires at World Net Daily, folks, WND.com, and check it out. I was I was stunned reading it myself. Um, unintentional, to be sure, but it reads like today's headlines. It does. My friend, thank you very much for taking time with us. My, uh, This is George Rodriguez. We've been talking with my good buddy, John Griffin. Uh, regarding uh, the Alamo, and uh, we've got to get you back on again soon, buddy. George, thanks for your courage and for keeping it real out there and keeping folks informed. You got it. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Hello, El Conservador listeners. If you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his internet website, elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez, El Conservador, and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you are interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930amtheanswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio. And we've got uh, our very good friend, uh, Mr. Jason Jones, uh, border crime expert. And uh, I uh, wanted to get him on because there have been several reports in the media this past week regarding uh, the amount of fentanyl that's crossing the border which uh, Jason has been telling us all about for some time here on our show. Uh, Maybe uh, other folks are starting to listen to our show. Maybe they're starting to take notice to what Jason's telling them. But um, according to this uh, report that I've got in front of me, Jason, two things. First of all, 
the amount of fentanyl that's crossing the border. Uh, not to mention, they say, other hard drugs. According to this one report, the seizure of hard drugs at the border in Laredo, this was just in Laredo, is up 56% from one month to the next, from July to August. I mean, that's, that's, that's an incredible increase. The second thing that's happening is apparently the border violence, the violence um, between the cartels, because so much money is being made, uh, has uh, increased significantly. So I'll give you some stats on that in a little bit. But first of all, tell us about this whole situation with uh, the hard drugs crossing the border. Sure, George. It's always great to be back with you. Uh, thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's an unfortunate situation what's happening. Um, as the cartels battle in Mexico, it is extremely expensive. And when you sit across from them at a table and you talk to them, they will tell you that. So one of the things that we've always monitored when I was at the Border Security Operations Center is what level of violence is occurring in Mexico, which cartels are battling, and for what territory. And that usually will tell you the level of problem you're going to have in the U.S. during that year. And that's why you're seeing the level of controlled substances being pushed into the U.S. because they need to recoup those funds that they're losing going to war. That's what the main the main cause here is. So, uh, again, the issue because, I mean, I, I, I am making this assumption. Tell me if I'm right or wrong. But I am making the assumption that uh, because we have gotten tougher on catching and deporting illegal aliens, the focus has turned to drugs, uh, who apparently would, they can make much more money than smuggling people. They can make much more money off of smuggling a drug, which is smaller uh, than a person, but they can make more money off of that, as well as um, it um, it's more lucrative for them on the other side. Is that, uh, am I correct? You are, and that's that's definitely part of it. you got to remember, in 2019, we apprehended almost a million people trying to cross illegally into the United States. Right. Well, due to policy changes by the Trump administration with the MPP program, along with the over-the-horizon approach working with Mexico and working with Guatemalan government and others all the way down to South America, we put in multiple layers and made it harder for people who wanted to come to the U.S. and cross illegally, and the numbers just plummeted. I mean, just plummeted. So that forced the cartels to to invest more heavily into controlled substances. Absolutely, that's part of it. But the other part is also the fact that they're at war, and war costs money. So what have they done? They've doubled their manufacturing of fentanyl and of methamphetamine. And as you know, throughout the year, I've been really concerned about meth because meth seemed to be where they had really gone to. And that has stayed consistent. Right now, to give your, your audience an example of where we are, and what you do is you monitor the port of entry data with the U.S. Customs and Border Protection. And the reason you do that is because most controlled substances, like your, your report or your article there that you were reading off, they move through the ports of entry. So looking at their data for fiscal year 2019, which was at record levels for methamphetamine and for fentanyl in 2019, uh, CBP at the ports of entry seized 68,585 pounds of methamphetamine. In 2019, they seized for fentanyl 2,500 pounds. Now those were record years. Now fast forward to fiscal year 2020 where we are now, and we still have one month left to go uh, before the year is up. And they've already seized 141,663 pounds of methamphetamine alone. That's incredible, George. Uh, for fentanyl, they've now seized 3,302 pounds. So they're just shy of 1,000 pounds over in fentanyl, what they were in fiscal year 2019. And the reason those drugs are important to monitor is because this is poison. I mean, this is not marijuana, you know, um, it's not a softer drug. These these drugs are very lethal. They are very brutal to the human body when ingested. And we know that in communities where these drugs take hold, you have your local index crimes rise as well, along with, um, you know, overdose deaths increase. Um, so this has been my concern and why I've been on your station for the last what, eight months now since we began to see this trend, really trying to notify the folks uh, about 
I don't want to sidetrack you in uh, this issue, but I haven't, I have not heard uh, a lot of discussion about border security on the issue of these drugs during the campaign. Um, at least from, yeah. I mean, from, from the Democrats. I mean, I'm talking from the Democrats. I haven't heard that. Uh, even on the local level, um, Gina Ortiz, who is running for Congress in uh, District 23, whose district literally covers more uh, of the uh, border with Mexico than anybody else in the nation. I mean, it's lengthy. It goes all the way from, from Del Rio all the way to El Paso, which is a very, very... I haven't heard her mention anything about border security and these drugs. What do you think? What are you, or, I mean, uh, how serious are, are some of these politicians about it? Yeah, I think that's a real problem. You know, not only at the local level, but at the national level, we're not hearing much about it. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, not only are we in a presidential election, but we've also got riots in our cities all over the country. Yeah. It's very difficult, unfortunately, for a lot of the national news agencies to focus on anything. And this is why I stay on this, because... I understand very clearly that national security is border security. If you don't have border security, you do not have national security because everything fluctuates with this. And that means human smuggling, human trafficking, weapon trafficking, drug trafficking, all of the things that are discussed in our communities day in, day out. So I monitor it very closely. And the unfortunate thing is that, you know, just where we are as a nation, when this, when the smoke clears and when this election is over, we're going to have to deal with the consequences of what we've seen here. Uh, you cannot have methamphetamine and fentanyl numbers like this double in one year and not expect to have consequences because there are secondary and third effects. And unfortunately, those effects are overdose deaths to our citizens. And that's what concerns me, George. Yeah, I, I can imagine. Tell us a little bit about, um, about the violence uh, between the cartels, because we're always un under the assumption that, you know, uh, that the cartel violence is, uh, you know, between these guys, you know, a lot of folks have, have uh, again, because there hasn't been that much coverage, have been under the assumption that uh, everything had calmed down. Um, what's your take yeah. on this? Well, it hasn't. Let me let me hit it more at a, at a local level first uh, that affects your listeners. In uh, the state of Tamaulipas, across from uh, Laredo and Nuevo Laredo, all the way over to Reynosa, Mexico, which is sits across from McAllen, you have two cartels that have been at war for over a year now. That's Cartel del Noreste, CDN, also used to be known as the Los Zetas. I know many of your listeners will remember one of the most violent cartels ever in Mexico. And then you have Cartel de Gafa, uh, also known as CDG, or the Gulf Cartel. Uh, those two cartels are at war, and that has directly affected San Antonio, uh, Austin, Houston, Texas. Anytime they go to war like that, they have to push more product, more, uh, more drugs, and, but also the war itself. Uh, it takes a pretty heavy toll, not only on law enforcement along the border, but in those local communities. And I'll give you a great example. Just a week and a half ago, uh, the government of Mexico, they had 15 soldiers in Miguel Aleman across from Roma doing a patrol right up on the river, the Rio Grande River. And they were engaged by over 30 sicarios uh, with Cartel del Noreste. And they, we had a large shootout uh, that killed nine cartel members literally at the banks of the river. And CBP agents were watching rounds skip off the river. Now, none of that makes the news. Have you noticed that? You, we yeah. don't see this on the national news. You don't. I mean, you really don't. Things, absolutely. And, and guess where that is happening? That's all happening where the wall is not present. Because as the wall is being built down there, George, the cartels are having to fight for territory where the wall is not so that they can move their product. So, you know, what happens on, this is why you always hear me say, what happens in Mexico directly affects us in the United States. Now, on a much bigger scale across Mexico, the two cartels that we've really got to keep an eye on right now is Sinaloa, which uh, is one of the largest and oldest uh, in Mexico, and is operating currently in over 54 countries. And then you also have the newer, younger crew known as Cartel Jalisco, New Generation. That's probably considered the most violent uh, and wealthiest cartel in Mexico right now. They are battling on multiple fronts. CJ&G is battling multiple cartels all over Mexico and really are trying to take over more territory. So that those battles in Michoacan and, as you're seeing, um, 
Chaco and Zacatecas and uh, is really is playing a role on the citizens. Then you have Sinaloa cartel right now who's having internal fractures. And they're, they're looking more and more to me daily, uh, George, that they're going to split between Chapo's sons, uh, Chapo Guzman's sons, who are now taking over his side, and El Mayo um, Zambada, who you know is, is a longtime leader of the Sinaloa cartel. Those two sides are really beginning to split more and more. And those battles are directly affecting our border because those battles are occurring in the state of Sonora, where uh, they're battling for routes and to control plazas. So, uh, you know, this is where the LeBaron family was killed. So yeah. those those battles have direct effects to us in the U.S. and, unfortunately, is killing just, you know, a lot of citizens of Mexico. And I'll say it right now on your show, that when the numbers come out at the end of the year, again, Mexico will exceed uh, in the highest levels of murders yeah. uh, in the country. And it's terrible. It's, uh, it really you know, is. And at the end of the day, George, I'll tell you the solution, though, and I, I truly mean this, and I've been doing this game a long time. I was stationed on that border in El Paso, in Brownsville. I was a lieutenant in Laredo, and I was a captain at DPS headquarters fighting this thing, building programs to go after the cartels. And the key now is that we have to change U.S. policy. We must designate them as foreign terrorist organizations and not attack the symptoms like you've been hearing me talk about from drug trafficking, from human smuggling, human trafficking, but attack the problem because it's their networks. It's their networks that allow for all of this to occur. Oh, gosh. we got to uh, uh, conclude here. Tell the folks how they can follow you and where they can follow you. Sure, you can find me at jasonjones.com. Also, I write for Breitbart's Cartel Chronicles, and you can find my articles there. Wonderful. Been talking with uh, Jason Jones, uh, border crime expert, and uh, this is George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer.